Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights here with Lee Markowitz. We're going to talk about his collecting interest, which is a little off the beaten track. It's not off the beaten track that I was on at one time because I really tried to collect everything and especially the variations and promos and errors and things like that. But we're going to hear Lee's experience. But first, thanks sponsors, Top Spinini and Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, and ComC. Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentications. Lee, welcome to the show. Give a little background on your collecting and then tell us about some of the things you're looking for now that are underrated. In fact, people know they're tough, but they don't know how tough. So welcome, Lee Markowitz. Thanks. Yeah, so I started collecting really in the mid-80s um, when I was a kid. I looked forward to my Beckett magazine every single month. I mean, collected really through the early 90s. And then I, I went to college and stopped collecting for a while. Probably like 2007, 2008 timeframe, started to just look on eBay and see just what was out there. It's all that, you know, as I knew, prices had come down considerably from the 80s to where they were in the 2000s. So this is pretty neat. I can just start to, you know, rebuild my collection and buy all these things that I never could afford as a kid. And so I really just started to collect all the regular issued cards and then started to fill in to try to get the error cards and think that I had a master set before. I began to realize that there were, you know, all these other promos and proofs cards out there and started to focus on that probably the last six or seven years. But there was a fork in the road. Did you get to the end of the line of all those late 70s, 80s, early 90s sets that were easy to get and you thought that wasn't enough of a challenge? Because for some reason, and I made this same choice too, you chose the road less traveled yeah. to really get master sets or, or even beyond master sets to get the cards that, that previewed and promoted the set. So was that a natural decision for you or does that fit your personality? Yeah, I think it fits my personality, probably the collector mindset. I don't think of myself as a hoarder, partially just because I don't want to tap the money or just don't have the space living in apartments. But yeah, it just takes you down the, the, the road less traveled where you say one thing leads to the next and you just want to have everything. Are you working off a list of things you're looking for or are you opportunistic where you're on eBay or some other platform and you see something and you think, hey, I don't have that. That's in my collecting window. Are you maintaining a list? Or are you it's just both. It's, if I have a list of stuff that I'm looking for, mostly not for myself, I just know, it, you know in my head what I'm looking for. But if I come across like, someone like you or anybody else in the industry when I'm talking to them and they're saying, what are you looking for? It's just easy to have a list handy and I can Probably when I was trying to find the regular issue and some of the error cards, that's when I needed more of the list to say, what am I checking out? But at this point, I probably have most of what I'm looking for, just like small spots here and there. I'm buying on eBay or ComC, and I love opportunistic stuff too, where I can go and buy a big lot of cards and can break it up and keep some for myself, sell off the rest. I, I was wondering about that because ComC is card by card, but you can see it and choose it if you want. Beckett Marketplace, same thing. eBay with individual cards, same thing. But to buy a collection... It would seem to me, from what I know of your collection, if you bought some cards from somebody getting rid of their cards, wherever you bought it, wouldn't you not need 99% of the stuff? The stuff you're looking for is quite rare in many cases. Yeah, so at this point, like, I'm not buying like big collections where they have like lots of regular issued stuff. It's really just more like proofs and test kind of stuff. Okay. Unless... So a group of things that are tougher. You know, one of the things is we go back and forth on some of these things that are on your list. The way they were distributed, at least my experience, which I'm happy to share with you on these, was that they were distributed not willy-nilly there was a purpose to these promos and they went to certain places and so if you found one you might find a bunch so i'm, I'm guessing that's what's happened to you uh, for as you figured out i got some of them over the years and i've released some of them back into the wild apparently into your collection too but i think that's fun here's the dilemma that i want to bat around with you and share with the rest of the people is that basically when we were doing there were other people doing price guides so we weren't the only one but some of these card companies in the 80s and 90s, they'd send out some cards that would be, especially like Score. When Score was a new company trying to get rolling, they would send out promos, previews, different things like that. And they'd send us 
as well as Krause, the SCD guys, tough stuff. They'd send uh, some to everybody. But when we were doing the price guide, it didn't seem like they were that tough because they sent us a bunch of them. And we knew some big dealers got David Adams or the, the blowout, the equivalent in those days of those kind of people, the distributors. And so they didn't seem scarce back in those days. But when you fast forward to 2020, I think you're here to say, and I'm aware that they're really tough now. Yeah. Because they've been dispersed. And, and if you had kept them, they wouldn't be that. Yeah, I'd have them in my collection for $2 and won't even think exactly. twice about them. Then, but are you more of a challenge guy? Because if they were two dollars, that wouldn't be a big challenge. The stuff you're well, I would have, I would have had them probably five, six, seven years ago at that point. Like some of the like a '92 Donruss preview or '91 Donruss preview. Some of those could have wound up being really rare, but they stuck around. Versus other kinds of, as you said, the score ones seem to be some of the hardest ones to find. You know, it's like a you don't usually see them mixed in with run-of-the-mill regular scorecards. You've got to yeah. well, sometimes there's different color variations, but you've got to flip to the back and look at the stats or the numbering or there's different ways. And that's hard if you're looking at a monster box of scorecards. Yeah, so I don't bother looking at it like that, yeah. What I've done, I'll pull out a box of cards and I've got to scrutinize because if it's a box of scorecards, for example, late 80s, early 90s, I got to be careful. There could be some promos in there. And you don't know that till you flip the back and, and, and see. And I would have them because they could have gotten commingled because I had them now 30 years ago. Yeah. I think even like Comsi, I was able to pick up a few things where they didn't realize at the time, or even eBay didn't realize at the time that those were, they had to flip over to the back to see that the stats were missing. Except that Comsi has a challenge when somebody sends them a bunch of cards, they have to ID them. There are a number of times they've mis-ID'd cards that I've sent that are the tougher variation, and I'm not expecting them to be perfect. But if I price it without me further scrutinizing to see that, hey, wait a minute, this is not the normal, the, the regular issue card, this is the promo card. I could put it out at a very cheap price when it ought to be quite a bit more. How many of these uh, 90 tops Mylar, you're calling them refractors, but I think they're the kind of the Mylar, the real shiny and yeah. quasi stickerish. Do you have uh, do you have all six of those? No, so I have two of those. I've got Mills and Mac, but I have two of the six. I know there was Winfield on Comsey that I should have bought and I didn't. It wound up going a lot quicker than I got my hands on it. And then not that long ago, a Mets collector had the Pena that he sold and I should, he wanted more for it than I wanted to pay, so I let it go. Of course, looking back, I wish I had just bought it. So I have two of those six. Yeah. I, I had three at one time, and I know I had the Winfield, and I'm hoping that the Winfield I had is buried somewhere. I'll see if I can dig out the Winfield, because that's clearly the best card uh, in the set. A lot of times when I was getting type cards, I'd, I'd try to get one of the more known guys, and that's clearly the, the best one there. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that caught my eye, and he has no cards, he really has no cards, is Don Fish. And you let off with that. And I thought, Don Fish. Okay. And you didn't get it. So it was an up for sale. You didn't get it. I don't think it was for me. I don't think I ever had it. Okay. The reason that card is not part of the set. I know. It's, it says Impel Marketing on it. Yeah. He um, basically was a marketing executive for, for Impel, which was the Skybox precursor and all that stuff. I think they just ran some for some of their executives. So he's not part of the announcer set. But if you've got so an they, announcer set, those are super tough. Yeah, so I actually have 60. I have, as far as my own list, I have everything I've been able to compile from my own collection, as well as talking to other people and looking on Comsi because they have all the sold cards. There's 61 of them, um, if you include Don Fish. So I have 60, everything other than Don Fish, and that includes two Craig Sagers. I did have multiple Craig Sagers, yeah. Thing, I, I gotta say, Lee, Don Fish is not part of the set. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still need it for my own person, yeah. You're defining yourself as somebody who's asking us that I'm not obsessive, but I am compulsive. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I say I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna do it. But I don't obsess about it, I just yeah. do it. 
Yeah. Uh, but if you're going to be looking for that card, you may be looking for a long time. Yeah, I guess the only reason I also think one, it looks like the rest of the 9091 yeah. Hoops announcers cards, but it was actually for sale at the same time as a bunch of the other Hoops announcers. How many were produced? No idea. I, I have an idea. I was told 500 of each of those, and most of them went to the person. Okay, yeah, I knew that part, yeah. There was one guy in uh, New York that had a few sets, and I was able to pick up a bunch from him. And I know from the 8990s, I have some of those for sale on eBay right now because I was able to pick up a lot, but they used to come in packs of 100 steeled cards together. So it would make sense if, if they made 500 of the 9091s that they probably made five packs of 100. Again, it's just what I've heard, and yeah. you know, I was very involved in the day, and, and we had a sample set. It's the only card of a bunch of those personalities. Yeah. That's right at the beginning of... ESPN and some of the other announcers getting a lot more prominence. And so, yeah, and much bigger and much harder to find stuff for whatever reason, the 8990, which is a lot more common. I, I don't know how many of those were made, but many more. And I actually bought two big lots of those cards from two different people who had direct connections with hoops. I know those have, have a lot more, even the Rick Barry, I've had multiples of those over time. Same thing about the top stadium of stars from 92. Again, I was part of the. Uh, you're in that one. Those. Do you have that? You may have that. Yeah, I know that you're in that one. A bunch of our employees were in the set as well, my teammates. And I think we each got 500 of our card. Which Braves are you talking about? Yeah, so those are the ones. It's not like true Braves players. It's either, I can't remember the time, they either worked for Tops or they worked for as part of the All-Star game. Okay. And so they were just photographed as Braves players, but it wasn't actual Braves players. They were done at the Atlanta National. Yeah, that's what it was. That's We had an appointment to show up and you could wear what you're wearing or you could put on a Braves jersey. And a lot of our guys put on Braves jerseys, but I was a pirate fan. I wasn't going to put on a Braves <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I've got my striped shirt, and that seems like a long time ago. And yeah, that- so that's exactly what it's from, as you said, the Strikes of Bell. Yeah, so it's from the, the Atlanta National. I don't have any of those cards. I, a couple have come up. I actually only found out about that set probably like maybe a year ago, I want to say. So, but I, I have seen prior to that a couple had come up on eBay. And someone actually sent me an uncut sheet. I can probably pull it up. He didn't have it anymore, but he had an uncut sheet of all of the cards. I'm saying that the guys that worked, uh, Tom Layberger is pictured, he looks like a Braves player, but he was a hockey analyst for Beckett Publications. So. Yes, yeah, so I bet he's one of the ones I'm like talking about. I have a bunch of those. I don't have the whole set. So many of my buddies, it was invitation only. And yeah. Honored to be invited. It's a legit tops card, and but that's how they were made. Um, yeah. And then similar to those two, if um, I didn't actually put it on my list, but there's a 9192 Upper Deck Announcers set. There's 200 cards, and it was put together. I've done some research on this and been able to get some background. I guess it's probably 1991 out in California. They had a dinner where you might have even been there or know about it, but they took photographs of all the people who were there. They had extra space on the sheets from the 200 cards that they were going to produce that they ultimately sent to people. And so they wanted like taking pictures of some of the Upper Deck executives, and I was able to buy one of the cards from someone that was there. They got a lot of the information from him, but that's an extremely hard set to find. I have six of those cards. I know someone that has 15 or so, and I, I got a few of his doubles. But those are really hard to find. There was like a Craig Sager on ComC that sold before I even knew about it, but I don't know if you've heard or seen anything about that. No, set. I haven't, except that we, had a, we did a Beckett publication set about that time where every employee and their family members were pictured, and we had them professionally done and all that. But So it definitely would be the rookie card of uh, you know, just waiting for some of these young people to uh, make the big leagues, but I don't think anybody did. <laughs> Notoriety, although Jasper, I believe, is in it. Mike Jasperson and maybe Nick. I don't know. So there's some people that are in the hobby that were part of that set, but it's never really, it wasn't a, intended to be commercial. It was just vanity cards that we did for when we had a company picnic and just was a little perk for people. You, you mentioned the 92 Donner's Duravage Expo set. Yeah. Eclectic. What's the interest there? I bought close to a master set from somebody who was selling it and it included the Donner's Duravage set. And 
it was just all the regularly issued cards. And then I came across that there were five cards with a, a duplicate player on it. So I've gotten three of those at this point. I've seen pictures online. I just haven't been able to find them. They wouldn't go for all that much money. It's just been hard to find. But it's the Phil Bradley and the Felipe Alou I haven't been able to find so far. When we were pricing those, they were tougher, but not impossible. I think they were like mid-season trades or there was some reason why they'd be included. But those are beautiful cards. Are you buying and selling or mainly just buying? Yeah, I do both. So I have some e- an eBay account where a bunch of these, I have a few different accounts. One has like my announcer cards for sale. Um, and then another account where it has duplicate stuff. Some of it is, if you see, one of my favorite cards that I have or sets of cards is the 89 Leaf Dimeros Blue Chip cards. Yeah. And so I'm the only one with any for sale right now on eBay. I bought those from two different people. I, I'd actually really be interested to see if I've come across eight of the 12 players from that set, but everyone I've talked to and I haven't seen any pictures of the Winfield, Greenwell, Burks, or, or Garfield. Have you much about those cards or seen I really, anything? No, I really don't. If you're selling some things like that, are you auction format or are you so knowledgeable of the market that you're going to put a... Put yeah, a- buy it now. So really only for stuff like that, the ones for sale are my duplicates because I was able to buy a lot of them. But actually, I, to me, like they're impossible to find and they're just so cool. Um, I'm surprised that they're sitting at the prices that they're sitting at, but oh, okay. um, I just do everything buy it now. Okay. So you put a price that you think is a fair price Yeah. and you're waiting for somebody to discover that. And, yeah. and if it sells great, if not, I hold on to it. I'm not like... I'm not buying it to like to needing the money right now or something. At times I'll lower the price. A lot of times it also just leads to conversations where someone will, you know, ask a question or they say I have this or that, or it's, you know, just sit out there and see what happens. Lee, we are totally on the same page with that philosophy because <laughs> I just think, but does grading enter into it for you? Because for some of these cards, once you get them graded, they're also authenticated. They're also properly ID'd. And then yeah, so- it's easier to see this is a legitimate rarity. Yeah. yeah, I don't really do it that much. Mostly, I guess if I was like nervous that it might not be an authentic card, I would send it in just to make sure it's authentic. But for the most part, like the price for me, like I don't really send in very much. So like the price per card and then the return shipping and everything gets expensive. So for me, just having it is you know valuable enough. I don't really need to know if it's an eight or a nine. And those prices tend to be a lot more anyway. So you know, at some point I might go down that route. But as of today, I'm happy to buy something if it is graded, but I don't really send much in, I would say. The man in-